0: My goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Shomler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 526. Uh, it's a Friday. I love this. We've done three episodes this week. Uh, you know, I, I love doing it this way. The quick and dirty Monday episode, breakdown, the important stuff that happened over the weekend, doing a mid-week episode, kind of doing a deeper dive into what's going on in the news and Here we are on Friday doing an episode mostly that's going to be Ask Zach questions from Patreon, and then also talking about Thursday Night Football. I hope we're doing well. Uh, I'm excited for next week. We've got a sponsor for next week. In two weeks, I'll leave on my road trip to go south. That's going to be awesome. Then we're going to be recording in, like, California and Arizona, and it's going to be really interesting and really fun. Anyway, let's dive into Thursday Night Football. On Thursday Night Football, the Buffalo Bills beat the New England Patriots 24 2, 10, and I have a new nickname for Patriots quarterback, Mr. Mac Jones. I want you to imagine there are two tables in front of you. And if you're listening uh, while driving, please do not close your eyes. I claim no liability. I do not want messages. Hey, I was imagining two tables and I crashed. That's on you, not me. Keep your eyes on the road. But in front of you, you got two tables. On one table, you've got bacon and hash browns and eggs. We'll call it an omelet. Uh, even French toast and orange juice and coffee. You got two drinks. It's awesome. That's on one table. It's just glorious, incredible breakfast. And on the other table, you got oatmeal and brown sugar. And I love oatmeal. I have oatmeal like four times a week. I work a lot in Starbucks. I live in my truck. So, uh, you know, you got to buy something to work at Starbucks. I like the warmth. I like the table. I like the free Wi-Fi. So I, I like finding, hey, what's cheap on the menu? What can I buy? My go-to is oatmeal. I have oatmeal like four times a week. I love it. It's cheap. It's great. It's a good breakfast. And I would say, again, it's good. It's totally fine. I like it. However, as someone who eats oatmeal four times a week, oatmeal is certainly not bacon and eggs and hash browns and French toast and orange juice. It's not a glorious breakfast. It's totally good. It's fine. Thursday night football was a bad matchup for Mac Jones because Buffalo's quarterback, Josh Allen, makes Mac Jones look really lame in comparison. And and let's be clear and, and try to be fair. Most quarterbacks in the NFL don't compare very well to Josh Allen because Josh Allen, it's Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, then everybody else. He's the second best quarterback in the NFL and it's by a hair. He's incredible. He does stuff most quarterbacks simply cannot do. Some people compare better to him than others. You know. I. Kyler Murray's more talented. Uh, Justin Herbert's really talented. I think he he has a better head-to-head comparison to Josh Allen. Mac Jones especially does not compare well to Josh Allen. Mac Jones has a weaker arm. He can't run around. He can't extend plays. He's no threat to run the ball. Mac, you know, Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, has a massive arm. He can run around. He can't extend plays. On the goal line, he's a threat to run. And twice last night, on Thursday Night Football, I watched Josh Allen make plays that Mac Jones simply cannot make. There's one play, he's extending, the, he's along the right sideline, he sheds a defender, literally escapes a sack, throws a defender off of him, throws a touchdown in the back corner of the end zone, and you're like, that's incredible, I thought he was going to go out of bounds. He didn't. He threw the ball back across the field for a touchdown. You're like, wow. Then later, he had a touchdown called back, but it was still crazy. He rolls right. He extends the play. Launches the ball like 60 yards in the air on the run. Two Stephon Diggs for a touchdown. There was holding on the tight end. It got called back. But I remember writing down the note, you know what? That's a play Mac Jones simply cannot make. Mac Jones is a fine quarterback, but he is not amazing. My new nickname for Mac Jones is Mr. Oatmeal Jones. He's fine, but Mac Jones is basically Andy Dalton. He's the modern day, what Andy Dalton was 8, 10 years ago. That's what Mac Jones is today. And it's time to accept that. Mac Jones is a decent quarterback. I worry he's nothing more. And this Patriots offense is really, really limited. I was excited. After Thanksgiving, I watched Mac Jones on Thanksgiving he lost to Minnesota, but it wasn't his fault. He played pretty well. The special teams, I thought, really cost him. Mac Jones against Minnesota had his best game of the year. And I was like, this is awesome. Hey, they're making progress. They've been trying to run new stuff on offense. Mac Jones was like 300 yards, a couple touchdowns. They're heading in the right direction. I thought this has to be the beginning of something cool. I don't think it was. And when you step back and look at the entire year for Mac Jones, It's a whole lot of oatmeal. It's a whole lot of, that's fine. Not great. Not always horrible, but certainly not outstanding. In fact, when you look at all his stat lines and you really step back and you go, how has he done this year? And I watched most of his games, like the Vikings game is an anomaly. And I would imagine Patriots fans would agree. Mac Jones has been decent, but a great game, 300 yards, a couple touchdowns. That's, that's the outlier, not the norm. Which one of these is not like the others? It's the Vikings game. That's not what he does every week. And I don't know how far Mac Jones can take New England. Again, oatmeal is fine. But can Mr. Oatmeal Jones win a Super Bowl? You know, um, the Patriots offense had one explosive play all game. And I want to talk about that play because it was awesome. Like this one explosive play got me. I'm I'm watching football. My girlfriend is British. She doesn't care. She likes soccer. And, and it's nice, by the way, to date someone who doesn't like football because there's no questions. I just get to focus on work. And when I'm not working, I'm not working. But I was like, look, you got to see this. There's this guy, Marcus Jones. He's a rookie third-round pick out of Houston. Two weeks ago, he had the game-winning play on a punt return that beat the Jets, who she probably doesn't even know who the Jets are. And I'm all excited. I'm like, Marcus Jones, the hero from two weeks ago, they put him on offense. And I'll tell you right now, Marcus Jones is listed as a cornerback, a defensive player on the Patriots roster. He played one offensive snap. His first offensive snap of the year. He takes a screen pass 48 yards for a touchdown. And I jumped out of my seat. I'm like, this is amazing. Marcus Jones, are you kidding me? He outruns everybody. It's so cool. It was an incredible moment. He's a rookie. He's basically a defensive player. The Patriots are like, hey, this guy's really explosive. Let's put him on offense. Let's make a play. And he did. It took one play. 48-yard touchdown. I was so pumped. But... That's the only time I felt that way during the entire game for the Patriots. I'm like, on offense, they were boring and awful and not awful, strong, strong word, but very mediocre. And, you know, I'm starting to worry about the limitations of Mac Jones because, and let's be fair, maybe it's the system. There is no clear cut offensive coordinator in New England. It's by default Matt Patricia, he works with Joe Judge. They kind of run stuff, but there's no clear offensive coordinator in New England. That feels like a problem. They also don't have a ton of offensive weapons. Like, I-, I call him Mr. Oatmeal Jones. You can actually do a lot of stuff to oatmeal to dress it up and make it really good. You add chocolate chips, you add strawberries and coconut. And uh, my dad even put cayenne pepper on it as a kid, which is insane. But that and cayenne butter drizzle, oh! It's amazing. It sounds weird, but it's really good. You can actually put a lot of fluff and a lot of stuff into oatmeal to make it really good and bring the goodness out of it. It becomes a vehicle for sugar, basically. But, and you could argue that's what's happened in Miami, by the way. You look at Miami, they've got their quarterback, Tua, who you could have called oatmeal at one point, but then he got Mike McDaniel, this offense, you know, awesome offensive coach who's got a great system. He's throwing a Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. What is Tua without a lot of help? He's what Mac Jones is right now. So I'm not saying Mac Jones is terrible, but I worry that they're not going to support him. If he doesn't get a good system and good receivers, they're not going to go very far. Because by himself, Mac Jones is pretty limited. This is why I had a debate on the show a couple episodes ago. Was it last episode? Maybe it was last Friday. You know, a guy wrote in on Patreon, what do you think about mobile quarterbacks, you know, versus a guy who can't run around? I'm like, I would much rather coach a quarterback who can run around. Because if your offensive line isn't great and your receivers aren't great, you have an explosive quarterback who can extend plays and then there becomes a whole new dynamic to the offense where, hey, if it's a bad play call, nothing's open and the thing breaks down, a quarterback can run around and it becomes a whole new play where... You know, defenders suddenly got to cover for a lot longer. And if there's a whiff on the offensive line and a defender runs free, Justin Fields can make a man miss and run for a first down or run to throw and extend a play. Mac Jones can't do that. He needs a lot of help. And I think that's a problem. Mac Jones has got an older play style at the quarterback position. And I just think the NFL today, with offensive lines struggling, with receivers at an all-time premium, you need a quarterback who can run around. And something has to change for the Patriots offense. They're six and six and look, their offense isn't doing enough. You're not going to beat Buffalo without scoring points because I don't care how good your defense is. You can only hope to slow down Josh Allen. You're not going to stop Josh Allen from scoring. If you want to win a Super Bowl and beat Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, let's even throw Joe Burrow in the mix. Like you got to score points in today's NFL in 2022. If you want to win a Super Bowl, you got to score. And... This game was 24-7 in the fourth quarter. I had no hope that the Patriots could put together enough points to win this football game. And, yeah, the Patriots put together, like, a little drive in garbage time. The Bills were playing prevent defense, giving them a bunch of completions underneath, letting the Patriots run out the clock. But even down to the goal line, the Patriots got down on the goal line. They got a penalty, you know, passing, I guess, targeting. Guy got kicked out of the game. And on second and goal, Mac Jones took a really bad sack and on third and goal he's running for his life trying to extend a play he can't like he doesn't have that ability the lack of mobility from Mac Jones is frustrating there was a play where he should have had an interception earlier in the game you know we tried to extend a play he's rolling left throws along the sideline Jordan Poyer picked it off he got lucky he bobbled the catch it was ruled not a completion you know it, it, instead of third and instead of a turnover it was third and 14 but that's really an interception by Jordan Poyer with out a little bit of technicality. And Mac Jones got lucky that wasn't ruled a pick. But, you know, the, the lack of mobility for Mac Jones, the fact the Patriots don't have a receiver who can win outside and is really impressive, their system isn't great. The Patriots offense is a problem. And I'll repeat this again. If Tom Brady wants, you know, sorry, if Bill Belichick wants to try to win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady, they got to go back to the drawing board and figure something out. You are not going to win Super Bowls without an explosive offense. Now, I got a couple more notes here. Um, Despite losing, can we give some credit to the. (laughs) It's a funny name to give credit to. It's the wrong word, probably. Can we acknowledge how awesome the Patriots' uniforms were? The red alternate uniforms, the white helmets. I love that look. I think it's awesome. And then somebody better check on Jonathan Jones. Make sure he's okay after watching film with the coaching staff today. Uh, On a Josh Allen touchdown pass, there's a play Josh Allen. I talked about it earlier. He makes a man miss, like throws a defender off of him. He's along the sideline. Jonathan Jones just stopped covering his receiver. And that resulted in Josh Allen throwing a touchdown to the guy Jonathan Jones was supposed to cover. I don't know if maybe he thought he did get sacked or maybe he thought Josh Allen stepped out of bounds. But he stopped doing his job. And do your job is a big thing in New England. I cannot, I feel bad for the guy. He let his man go, gave him a touchdown. That's on paper, that's a lack of effort. And so he's going to get chewed out in the film room today. I feel bad for Jonathan Jones. Somebody check to make sure he's okay. Because that poor man, like, oh, you know, when you can say, keep, keep going, keep working. That's a bad thing to have to say to someone is you, you gave up on the play is what Kirk street said. That's not good. Look, the Patriots punted six times in this football game. Four three and outs. It was a bad night. Again, in today's NFL, in 2022, the Patriots got a score. Their offense is a problem. And I'm going to say this again one more time. If Bill Belichick ever wants to win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady, they have to build a high-powered offense, something to pair alongside their good defense. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with offense alone. You need good players on defense. They've got a pretty good defense right now. I think a defense that could win a Super Bowl, if it was paired with a really good offense, but that's the way the Patriots are lacking right now. That's why they're six and six. And frankly, a limited offense is what's holding back the Patriots right now as an organization. Now, I love the nickname Oatmeal Jones. It feels like some kind of noir private eye detective movie or something. You know, the ballad of Oatmeal Jones. I think that's pretty fun. So Mr. Oatmeal Jones is going to stick around. I'm going to call him that for a while. always refer to it. I think it's fun. Um, I guess the ballad of Mr. Oatmeal Jones would be kind of boring. It's like, his specialty is he likes kicking. And that's a punting joke. He likes punting. Uh, it'd be kind of a boring movie because watching the Patriots offense, pretty boring. Maybe that's it, though. It's a slow, noir detective movie where not much happens. And his whole thing is, I like kicking. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, that's that's the ballad of Mr. Oatmeal Jones right there is that uh, the Patriots offense is a problem. It's holding them back. And I am worried about it. By the way, the Buffalo Bills put their star pass rusher, Von Miller, on the injured reserve. He missed last night's game on Thursday night. He's out for three more games at minimum. Um, I think it's a really wise move. I want to give Buffalo credit there. He really only had a minor knee injury. He could have played a lot sooner than that. He was talking about trying to be back in time for the Jets game. But there's no need. I, I really credit Buffalo here because... What Buffalo really wants from Von Miller, and the reason why they brought him into their organization is so that they have a really good pass rush when they make a playoff run. That's when they need Von Miller. So they're like, we're not going to worry about a couple games in the regular season, Von Miller. In fact, we're going to protect you from yourself. Go take some games off. Be healthy. You know, get healthy. Just make sure you're ready when the playoffs come around. That's when we need you big time against Patrick Mahomes, against Joe Burrow, against high powered offenses in the Super Bowl. And uh, I think a really wise move. The Bills could have tried to let jo- you know Von Miller play sooner and earlier. And I'm really, really impressed with the wise decision-making saying, ah, we're going to step back and let Von Miller rest. Uh, give him a little vacation. Let him rest. Let him get his knees healthy. As long as he's ready for the playoffs. That's all that really matters in Buffalo. In fact, that is why they brought him in. All right. Let's end the show today. Told you it's going to be a really short one with questions from Patreon. If you want to submit questions to the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. Uh, it's a dollar a month. You can donate more if you want to. Please do. Uh, it literally pays my bills. I live in a truck. It's a it's half my income as Patreon. It's a massive deal to me. Um, and if you want to support the show, that is the best way to do it. Uh, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single write-in with my eyeballs and to pick the top couple. To read on the show. Uh, The first question today comes from Nick. Nick writes in and says, After over 700 days of Deshaun Watson not playing in an NFL game, how good or bad do you think he will be in his debut against the Houston Texans? Look, game of the weekend, cannot wait to watch Deshaun Watson play on the road against his former team. The crowd's going to be insane, it's going to be really fun. Uh, I think everyone's actually rooting against Deshaun Watson this week. Here's kind of the problem with this football game. I don't believe Deshaun Watson's going to have to do much in this game. Uh, I think Nick Chubb, the Browns' running back, is going to run for like 200 yards and 15 touchdowns, and you know, like he's just going to destroy Houston. Houston has the worst run defense in the NFL, so maybe maybe it's Nick Chubb runs for. 700 yards and 15 touchdowns and you know over under who has more touchdown does does Nick Chubb run for more touchdowns than Deshaun Watson even throws passes like literally that's how bad the Texans run defense is. they're not going to need Deshaun Watson to do anything so I actually expect a boring low-key game from Deshaun Watson completion here completion there a little bit of play action and everyone's going to go oh that was disappointing because he's not going to be terrible. But he's not going to be asked to do a lot because he's not going to need to. It's really game number two that's most interesting. But to be frank, like I can't imagine a better scenario for Deshaun Watson to come back. You're playing a terrible football team. You're going to have a great running game in this football game. Deshaun Watson can get the jitters out, the nerves. It's almost like a preseason game is how bad the Texans' defense is. So um, I, I, I expect very little from Deshaun Watson because he's not going to have to do a lot. They're going to run the football heavily uh, against Houston. Travis writes in, says, hey, Zach, big fan of the show. What is your opinion on the Hugh Freeze hire at Auburn? Do you believe he will be able to regain his former success from his career at Ole Miss? What's an outsider's opinion on his image after his past scandal? Thank you for reading this with your eyeballs. Um, So part of the sports world, I kind of answered this last episode There's a lot of stuff in sports I ignore, and I feel weird about it. Like, my show is entertainment. I treat it that way. Uh, If I did a movie podcast, for example, the show would be all about the movies, and I'm excited about the movies, and I I treat football and sports like it's entertainment. I ignore a lot of the domestic violence and a lot of the bad stuff. Because what do you say when, like, a, a player hits his wife? All you can say is, hey, that's terrible. I hate it. I know people who've been a victim of domestic violence. Personally, I do. Like... All you can do is say it's really bad and it sucks, but it's football. It's entertainment. And I, I've accepted in my own life that um, sports fans don't really care who you are off the field as long as you win games and, you know, do well. And, you know, Auburn kind of made a deal with the devil. It's a guy who's he left Ole Miss with a bunch of sanctions. He, you know, was connected to female escorts. It's not great. But, um He's won games. He beat Nick Saban twice in five years. And at Auburn, he can pay players. So I think maybe someday it'd be, it'd be interesting to do like a weekly Patreon exclusive show called Strong Opinion Sports with Politics. Or uh, maybe twice a month I do a show, or maybe once a month I do a, a Patreon exclusive show. Let's acknowledge the politics in sports or something like that. But I, I don't do that on this show. I try not to acknowledge that. But it, you have to acknowledge that Hugh Freeze, that there's some uncomfortable stuff. And he seems like a scumbag. But at the same time, I'm a massive hypocrite because when Auburn plays Alabama next year, I'm going to be way more interested than I was this year. Auburn was terrible. And Auburn is much more interesting now with Hugh Freeze as their head coach. And, you know, it's it's a dangerous road to go down when you start talking about all this moral stuff in sports because I I watched the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix and I, I loved it. It was a good race. And the World Cup's happening in Qatar, which is horrible. So, like, how much of a moral high horse can you get on when you talk about coaches and players and events and stuff? I don't know. I, I don't know I don't the answer here. Um, Hugh Freeze seems like a scumbag, but he's going to win a lot of football games. I think—I uh, I also think it's, you know, he can pay players now, which is— <laughs> That's what he got in trouble for last time, basically. So, you know what? Like— he might actually be a better recruiter than before. He <laughs> can openly do what he did last time. I don't know. Um, I, 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 The uncomfortable reality is he makes Auburn a hell of a lot more interesting. Griffin writes in. I really love this write-in from Griffin. Griffin says, for like so many reasons. By the way, Griffin, you mentioned truck life at the end. You give me like a, a m- modicum of hope. Uh, Griffin says, Zach, I think we're setting up for something unique to happen in Miami. How feasible do you think it would be for Tua? To take an unprecedented team-friendly contract. It's complete speculation, but I can somehow see this happening based on his personality and partnership with Mike McDaniel. Thoughts? P.S. Truck life is way easier down here in Arizona. And then he gives the like the, the rock-on emoji. Griffin, I'll be there uh, January, roughly. I'd love to connect to you. I, I was sad. Griffin came through the Northwest. I, I missed him. I was up in... I was, it was a weekend I met my grandpa, which went horribly. So I, I missed him, but I'd love to... Griffin, I'd love to meet you and, and get a burger with you or something. Uh, I am so excited to go to Arizona where it's not raining and it's not cold and my camera won't fog up because it's literally below freezing outside. <laughs> and I hate this time of year when it's, like, sunny but also really cold. It's just not – like, if it's going to be sunny, it should be warm in my opinion. I, I realize Arizona is going to be cold at night, but whatever. Anyway, uh, Griffin, you talk about Tua taking a free uh, – a free – you talk about Tua taking a team-friendly deal in Miami with the Dolphins. Um, there's a couple of reasons why I think that's a good, first of all, you got to realize uh, in Florida, there's no state income tax. So Tua's money is going to go a lot farther in Miami than it would in New York or in a lot of other states. I would love to see Tua take a smaller amount of money, maybe fully guaranteed, but like $20 million a year, which is a good deal for everybody. It's Tua gets great wealth, $20 million a year for a couple, like four years, maybe five years, six, something like that. What if he gets, what if you give Tua um, a four-year deal, $20 million a year, fully guaranteed? That's $80 million fully guaranteed. That's a great deal for everybody. It's a a good amount of money to pay a quarterback. It doesn't cripple your franchise. Um, And I think Tua taking a team-friendly deal would be incredibly self-aware. If I could talk to Tua, that's what I would encourage Tua to do. Tua... I think fully knows that he needs help to succeed and win. He needs Mike McDaniel calling plays into designing that offense. He needs Tyreek Kill to throw to. He needs Jalen Waddle. You could even argue that for the Dolphins franchise, Jalen Waddle's contract is more important than Tua's like Tua feels replaceable. I, you know, if you plug Mac Jones into the Patriots offense throwing to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, that's a good offense. Davis Mills could come in. And due to his job, I think because a lot of what makes him great is their receiving core. Tua is good. He anticipation executes the offense well. But um, you know, I I think Tua has got to have self awareness here and say, let's take a little less money, keep the the franchise happy, and you got to be able to pay Jalen Waddle. What's going to happen if? Do you want to be Kyler Murray? Do you want to be? Russell Wilson making like 40 times more money than your teammates and they're not coming to your birthday party because they're mad at you and you're losing. Like if you pay, let, let's imagine a reality where Tua got paid $45 million a year and then you couldn't pay Jalen Waddle. So Jalen Waddle left, Tyreek Hill gets old and isn't quite as good. That's not the same Miami Dolphins team. What makes the Dolphins great is that they have star players around Tua. In order for Tua to make sure that happens, he's got to take less money. As long as they pay the people around Tua. Um, But, in fact, if I I was working with Tua, I'd say, hey, I'll take less money. But I need some kind of guarantee contractually that you are going to bring in other receivers or something like that. I would imagine Joe Burrow would do something similar. Like, hey, I'll take a contract, but you better also have in writing, you're going to pay Jamar Chase and keep him in Cincinnati too. Something like that. Um, but I, I think there's creative solutions to all these problems. And if I was Tua, I think a self-aware thing to do is take less money so you can pay people around you and you don't want to be a burden to your franchise. Tua is not worth $45 million a year. I think very few quarterbacks are, but if Tua asks for too much money, I would replace him. I I don't like saying that. He's my, he's actually, Tua is my favorite quarterback in the NFL. I love the guy I've got. It's the only Jersey I own is a Tua Tungavaloa jersey. I love Hawaii. I love Tua. I love his family. I've got a t-shirt that's got a bunch of tiny Tua's I'll wear on it someday. I mean, I've wore it on the show before. I think the best move for Tua is take less money. And I think we've, I think we've really rounded out that conversation, but I repeat this again. I think the Jalen Waddell contract is actually more important than a Tua contract long-term. I think their success on offense is more dependent on Jalen Waddell's availability than Tua's. I think Tua you can replace a lot easier than you can replace Jalen Waddle in that offense. You already got Tyree Kill under a big long-term contract. Finn writes in and says, hey, Zach, where do you think Davis Mills will go next year? Is his time as a starting quarterback is done? I've heard everything from Davis Mills. uh, is a spot starter like Jacoby Brissett, too. He's a career backup going forward. I don't watch a lot of Houston games, but it's hard to not think he was dealt an impossible hand. I'd like to see him have a Sam Darnold-esque reset opportunity, perhaps even with my commanders. I know on the last show you said you'd roll with Heineke until a better option presented itself. Can he be that better option? You wouldn't be paying him anything since he's a third-rounder pick on a rookie deal, or do you think Taylor Heineke's better on or off the field for the team? If it's close, I guess I'd stick with Heineke because of the energy he brings to the locker room. Yeah, for Washington, I don't think it makes sense to replace Taylor Heineke with Davis Mills. Taylor Heineke's actually more... um, mobile, like Taylor Heineke can extend plays better than Davis Mills. And they're so marginally similar, uh, talent wise and production wise that I would stick with Taylor Heineke. It doesn't make sense. Um, I think Davis Mills is probably slightly better than Taylor Heineke, but Taylor Heineke's already won over that locker room. Like it doesn't make sense for Washington specifically. Um, but I agree with you, Finn, Davis Mills was dealt an impossible hand. In fact, I don't even think Houston really wanted him to succeed and win, Houston wanted the number one overall pick, and I feel like they sabotaged their team to go get Bryce Young, the quarterback, out of Alabama. Now, if I think about where Davis Mills could go next, we'll we'll talk about the logistics and reality of that in a second, but first of all, let's let's imagine. Imagine Davis Mills in New Orleans next year. That's a great opportunity. They've got no first-round pick, so they can't draft a quarterback. They're going to have to make some kind of move at quarterback, though. They've got, I think, really good receivers. They've got a good defense. They've got a good offensive line. I think there's pieces in New Orleans that can be molded into a winning football team. Or maybe Davis Mills goes to Tampa and, you know, set yourself up to replace Tom Brady. You sit behind Tom Brady for a year or two. You learn the system. You get to know everybody. You ingratiate yourself. Then when Tom Brady moves on, Davis Mills steps up and he really could perfectly uh, carry on after Tom Brady retires. I think the Jets could use Davis Mills. I think a great opportunity would be the Rams. Uh, Whenever Matthew Stafford moves on, you bring in Davis Mills or have Davis Mills come off the bench and replace him. That's another way to gracefully move from Matthew Stafford onto a next starting quarterback that's really good. The Giants could use Davis Mills. Uh, The Raiders, if I could trade Davis Mills for Derek Carr, get rid of Derek Carr's contract, Davis Mills with the Raiders, you're paying Davis Mills nothing. I I think an all-time interesting idea would be what if the Raiders traded Derek Carr for davis mills and what you're doing there is just you're freeing up a ton of salary cap space you don't get a lot in return for him because houston's not going to part with the number one overall pick but what if houston could get Derek carr and keep the number one overall pick with a hilarious problem there though is that david carr went to the houston texans at one point and was a disaster and i think the carr family and the houston texans are going to forever be something that will never work together but that's you know what i mean like if it's mad and that's a fun idea right there um Is Davis Mills better than Jared Goff in Detroit? I, potentially, there's a lot of opportunities for Davis Mills. And I really do believe he would win on a good football team. If you put Davis Mills in Dallas, he's killing it. He'd win a lot of football games. If you put Davis Mills in Miami, he would look really good doing what Tua does, throwing to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Here's the problem, logistically, with getting Davis Mills out of Houston. He's under contract until 2024. And he's cheap. So Houston has no incentive to trade him away. They're going to draft Bryce Young, I think, out of Alabama, number one overall. Um, but, like, if Bryce Young isn't ready week one, they want Davis Mills to play, probably. I mean, I know they benched him, but I don't know. I don't know why Houston would get rid of Davis Mills because he costs them nothing to have. And they don't care about his career. They care about themselves. So in order for Davis Mills to get out of Houston, you have to get cut, you know, released, or traded. Um he probably goes nowhere. So that's unfortunate. But like I, I think Davis Mills is like Davis Mills would be an upgrade over Matt Ryan, frankly, in Indy. He's got a stronger arm, he's really capable. He's Davis Mills throws like beautiful football. People have no idea. I think people's ability to gauge arm talent is so insanely bad. But I when I watch Davis Mills, I go, Man, that dude throws the ball at a really high level. Like really just Wow, it's it's pretty, and um, I'll I'll tell you what, man. I uh, it's it's kind of frustrating to see a guy who I think can play not get an opportunity. I feel similar to Gardner Minshew. I Gardner Minshew could play on a good football team, and he never got an opportunity. Like it's there's so much quarterback talent out there, and you know what? I, I think a, a great opportunity would be Davis Mills going to Indy, but. Houston is not going to trade Davis Mills to the Colts within their division. That's not going to happen. So I feel sad for Davis Mills. He's going to get replaced. They're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. He already got benched, but he was given a a terrible situation with a horrible football team. D- you know, Brandon Cooks doesn't want to be their number one receiver. Um, I just I feel bad for Davis Mills all around. And it's sad because what's more than likely going to happen is his career is going to wither into obscurity. No one's going to remember him or, or think about him, but I'm going to think about him and go that there was something there. He's a good quarterback who never really got a shot with a good football team. And that, that's, oh, that's so sad to see a guys career die that way. Okay. Justin writes in really fun question. First of all, he's got a bunch of Japanese writing that I can't read. So for all I know, it says a bunch of racist, horrible stuff. And that's ho- hopefully not. Ho- hopefully it's clean. What he says on screen. I'm going to put it on screen. That's Japanese lettering, but I don't know what it means. Uh, oh, oh, so dumb. He then in parentheses says, hello from Tokyo. I live in Japan. And, and because the parentheses are there, that tells me that's probably, um, I'm so dumb. Like Japanese lettering, then parentheses right underneath it. Hello from Tokyo. Uh, I live in Japan. That must be exactly what it is. <laughs> anyway, Justin says, my question is this, what is the most surprising thing for you about this year so far and why? And then he lists five things. Uh, Wilson and Denver being so bad. Number two, the Jets being where they are. Number three is Seattle playing well with Geno Smith. Number four is Philadelphia and Minnesota being powerhouses. Or is something else more surprising? And then Justin says, you don't have to read this part. I just want to share my story with you, but I'm going to read it. I think it's interesting. I I love this kind of stuff. Justin says, I have been living in Japan for 11 years. I moved here two days before the big earthquake, which was fun. And I'm sure fun is sarcasm there. Sarcasm? Sarcasm there. Um... Not sure how I found out about you, but I've listened to every one of your shows since about sos one fifty or so. I listen on the train. That's I guess we've done five hundred. this is five hundred and twenty six episodes. So it's been a while, dude. Justin, thank you for writing in. That's crazy. Justin says, I listen on the train or when traveling for work around the country. You keep me in touch with all the things I miss about home. I'm always excited when I see the new episode come out. In a strange way, you help me fight uh, the, you help me fight against being homesick with all your content. Thanks for everything you do. Looking forward to the future. If you find yourself in Japan, dinner is on me. Justin, I would love to meet you in Japan. That's incredible. Um, I, I've talked about, I, I man, it's not even out yet. I recorded my other podcast, Zach Schellmer, talking like three weeks ago and the episode's been sitting on my computer, not released. But I literally answer a question from Devin about how much I would love to go live in Japan someday. And if I could learn another language other than Spanish, that's what I would learn. Justin, that's so cool. Um, Japanese culture, I feel like I'm missing out by not speaking Japanese and not being able to read Japanese. I know there's a lot of cool content out there, and I'm not a weeb, but, like, man, I want to learn Spanish because I want to go to South America and Central America, but the third language I would learn after Spanish is definitely Japanese, and um, it's so cool you live there, and if I'm ever there, Justin, I will move heaven and earth. I'm not going to fly all the way across the ocean and get close to you and then not try to meet you. Like, I don't care if it's, hey, it's an eight-hour train ride. I don't care. I am I came this far. Let's have a burger in Japan. That would be cool. So if I'm ever in Japan, like, let's connect. That would be really cool. Anyway, he does write in. Here are the four things which is more surprising. Basically, Denver, the Jets, Seattle, or Philadelphia and Minnesota. I don't think anything's more surprising. You say this is our fifth thing. There's nothing more surprising to me than the cratering of Russell Wilson's career. It's, I I always thought he was a victim of Seattle not supporting him. (laughs) And, uh, wow. No. um, Russ left Seattle and has been awful. Like, awful. All-time bad. I thought he was a Hall of Fame quarterback and was going to really prove it this year. I mean, I literally did a topic about how Russell Wilson's going to show he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Boy, was I absolutely wrong. I should revisit that episode. That'll be, that's a video I should play on the show and really laugh at. How fun will that be in January or February when the season is over? Um, So to me, Denver being horrible, Russell Wilson being atrocious, that's the number one most surprising thing to me. He lost the locker room. He's playing terrible. Um, I would say though, a close second is Geno Smith in Seattle. It's, It's pretty surprising to me, not only that Seattle is winning, but they're doing, Geno Smith is playing really well. And I just tip of the cap to Geno Smith. He's earned himself a contract. He's probably the franchise quarterback in Seattle now. That's awesome. Now, the Jets are not a surprise at all to me. What is a surprise about the Jets is Zach Wilson being bad really surprises me. I I thought given... I mean, look, the Jets roster is awesome. They've been building their roster for years and drafting really well. And every year I say, dude, the Jets drafted well again. Oh my gosh. And I, I thought given the talent around Zach Wilson, part of why I didn't do season predictions this year was I ran out of time, I was busy, but also, like, I didn't know how to predict teams like the Jets, because I'm like, I think it's a good football team, but there's not enough wins to go around. Seven and four is, you know, the Jets are very worthy of being seven and four right now. Their record is awesome. What I am surprised about is how well they've built around Zach Wilson, and yet how bad he's been. And the dude, from what I know, studies football really hard. He sounded really mature. Like I knew people that knew him at BYU and said, like, this dude lives and breathes football. It's all he does. He's a nerd. He loves it. It's really weird Zach Wilson can't figure it out with the Jets. I, I I'm surprised by that. And I would imagine the media's taken a toll on him. That's really difficult. That's a the surprise of the Jets is not how good they are, but how bad their quarterback has been and the fact they're still winning without him is not a surprise. I mean they're a really good football team. I'm not at all surprised about Minnesota. I I said going into the year, I think it's, it's very likely. I mean, I was, I was hopeful. I wasn't sure, but I'm like, man, I I think that Kevin O'Connell is going to take Minnesota to new heights with Kirk Cousins. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Philly is even better than I thought, but I thought they were good. And I knew Jalen Hurts was going to keep getting better. So the most surprising thing by far that you brought up, Justin, and, and I can't think of anything more surprising this year actually is how bad Russell Wilson has been in Denver. Evan writes in, uh, not a question, but a comment. And, and I want to encourage more of this. People, you don't need to have a question. If you just have something to say, use the show. Like, put it out here. It's awesome. Um, by the way, I, I have something to say. Uh, I pulled up here. I usually record over there on the, the other side of the parking lot. There was, no, there was a woman parking my spot. She was just sitting, like, smoking a cigarette. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to park there and wait for her to leave. But there was a – the reason why I park over there normally is because I can back in. And there's a push off to the side. So the window here, my fear is someone backs into the, seat, the spot next to me and you can see them on camera. I never want that to happen. So I strategically always find spots where there's like a wall or greenery to my right as I sit here so that no one ever appears in the window next to me. Couldn't do that here. But what I did find was there was like a random shopping cart just sitting in the parking lot and I moved it next to my car next to the truck so that no one, if they try to pull into the spot, they can't because the, the shopping cart is blocking the spot next to me. Is that moral? I don't know. But I'm not going to carry cones around with me and cone off the parking spot next to me whenever I have to do this. So I don't know. I I found a weird creative solution to make it so that there's no risk of anyone pulling in next to me. And I think in the future, I'm just going to have to accept that, you know, when you watch the Today Show or something in New York, you know, they film with like glass in New York behind them. People walk around and wave in the background. Like I might have to just accept that's what's going to happen on this show sometimes. But uh, if I can help it, I'm not going to. So anyway, that's my weird rant. Um, Evan writes in. Evan says, Hey, Zach, I have no question. I just wanted to say I appreciate the coverage of Washington State in a couple of episodes. I had commented previously prior to that, and so I appreciate you talking about them. Even if in the end those games didn't really turn out the way I wanted, this year was really about the Cougs winning the games they were supposed to win and losing the games they were supposed to lose. Although they probably should have been able to beat Utah without their starting quarterback realistically. That was pretty disappointing following their win over that. What was ultimately an average Wisconsin team and how close they were to beating Oregon. I mean, Hey, you dub got the luck of not having Bo Nicks healthy in the last few consequential minutes in a way that almost certainly would have let the Cougs win and their game. They had, uh, if they had had the same, hopefully Dickert will continue to build up the offensive line so that Cam Ward can actually develop and make big plays that he's clearly capable of, especially with this performance in the Apple cup. Once again, thanks for shouting us out. Much appreciated. Um, Evan, I talk about Washington State as much as I can because of their quarterback, Cam Ward. I, I really believe in him. Cam Ward is a... Dude, I, I think he's like a Mahomes-level quarterback. His ability to run around and extend plays. He's a hidden gem that people are not talking about. Uh, there's a video game I love called Singularity. It's, it's very similar to Bioshock. It's this incredibly good first-person shooter. If you're a PC gamer, look up Singularity. I own it. It's like 10 bucks on Steam. It's awesome. Um... Cannot recommend it enough. That's a hidden gem. A hidden gem in the football world is Cam Ward, the quarterback at Washington State. This dude is like got Heisman ability. He's so dang talented. And I really, really hope the NFL world can eventually start to recognize how gifted this quarterback is because someone's going to draft Cam Ward. He's only a sophomore right now, by the way. Like he's got more years of eligibility. Um, Now, I went to Washington State. I was on the sideline when Gardner Minshew beat Justin Herbert and the Ducks. I worked for college game day that day. Um, I'm not a Homer. Uh, I'm also not really a fan of Washington state. Uh, no, I just don't have a favorite team. And there are things I like about Pullman, Washington. There are things I don't, I struggled when I was there cause I hate college. Like I hate going to school. I, I always knew what I wanted to do. I, I really struggled with, I, I took broadcasting classes and it was a waste of absolute garbage waste of time. Um, I didn't like college, but I, harbor, I try to harbor no resentment against Washington State. Uh, and I try not to let the time I spent there as a student really sway me either direction. I talk about them when they're notable. And I really think that Cameron Ward is a very notable player that people got to pay attention to. I, I, the first time I saw him, I was like, who is that? What is that? That's incredible. His ability, like we're going to watch Caleb Williams probably win the Heisman the, the quarterback at USC, the stuff Caleb Williams can do. One of the very few people in college football who can make plays similar to Caleb Williams is in fact, Cameron Ward, the quarterback at Washington state. And it's somehow whoop, nobody notices, nobody realizes. I'm telling you, this guy, Cameron Ward is unbelievable. And, uh, you should learn the name. Evan, thank you for writing in. Evan, did you go to Washington state? I've been to the, you know, I, one time I was driving into Pullman, Washington. My grandma lives about an hour and a half North. I'm coming in. It's 5am early in the morning, little red Toyota Corolla. I I would imagine my tires were bald at the time, but I'm coming down the hill into Pullman. Uh, I leave in Colfax and my car lost control. I spun out. I'm going downhill. Uh, My car spins around. I find myself on the other side of the road facing up the hill because my car spun 180 degrees and I almost went over the edge of the, the road, you know, the cliff or whatever, little, not a cliff, like a little hill goalie thing. But I remember being like, oh my gosh, am I okay? And a cop drove by and was like, you good kid? And I was like, yeah, yeah I guess. And I <laughs> I just pulled around and flipped a UE and went back down. He kept going down the hill, but it was a really scary moment. And, uh, you know, the snow and the ice are no joke. I'm, I'm out of here. I, it's too cold for me in the Northwest. I, I'm not going to be here for snow. I want to leave. Uh, But Kyle, I, you know, that's, that's my best Pullman, Washington story. I wasn't much of a partier. I was a nerdy, nerdy, not, I'm not really a nerd. I mean, I am, but I'm not, but I'm just, I'm a workaholic. I like to work. I'm not a big drinker. I don't party. I, uh, I only have a lot of girls at Washington state, but I was mostly working and hanging out with girls and skipping class. Uh, Kyle writes in, Kyle says, Hey Zach, is it me or just about every quarterback signed or traded for has been mediocre at best or plain awful this year. That's a hard word. Hard. That's a, that's a sentence that's worded in a way that's hard to read. Kyle says, is it me or is just about every quarterback signed or traded for has been mediocre at best or just plain awful this year? I know what you're saying, though. He says, you know, Rodgers got a three-year deal. He's mediocre. Tom Brady is back from retirement. He's been mediocre. Russell Wilson was traded for. He's been franchise-destroying awful. Carson Wentz was traded. He's been bad and benched. Matt Ryan was traded. He's been mediocre. Baker Mayfield was traded for. He's been bad and probably out of the league. The only guy left is Deshaun Watson. How are all these quarterbacks playing at such a poor level all at the same time? Um, They've all been bad for different reasons, man. Like, Kyle, um, the reason teams needed new quarterbacks are usually because they're a dysfunctionally badly run team. And by the way, Kyle, did I say Evan I meant when I said Evan, did you go to Washington? Say I meant to say Evan. If I if I miss said the wrong name, I didn't mean to. Kyle, let's talk about your question. Um, so when a team needs a new quarterback, it's usually because things aren't going well. And if things aren't going well, you can assume probably bad coaching, probably not a great team around the quarterback. Um, so that's that's part of why when a quarterback move you know is is traded for or made a move for, usually it's a desperate move to try to help you win. Um, Like, for example, Baker went to Carolina. That was a bad opportunity. Baker played for a coach that got fired. Not a lot of weapons. Not a great offensive line in Carolina. I don't... I I even said when Baker went to Carolina, I'm like, I don't know. that This is, like, really great. Everyone's all excited for Baker to get the starting job. I'm like, do you want to be the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers? Is that even a good opportunity? I don't think so. Russell Wilson, man... It's bad, and I think Russ is making it worse. He can't handle failure. And what I mean by that is Russell Wilson is too inauthentic to handle failure. He's very fake. He's very image-oriented. Russ can't acknowledge how bad things are. And if he does, it, I, think he, I think he feels like he can't, and it makes it worse. So I've, Denver's in trouble. And part of the problem is Russell Wilson's lack of authenticity. It's making it worse and compounding the problem in Denver. Matt Ryan was a fallacy from the beginning. He was viewed as a savior. um, And, you know, the Colts idea was all we need is a quarterback. (laughs) No. Matt Ryan didn't go to a good Colts team. He went to a team that's bad with an offensive line that's not great, that's underperforming a team that doesn't have a great receiving core. Um, that The idea that Matt Ryan was going to go to Indy and be the savior, it, it was ne- it clearly was wrong. I don't remember what I said about that. I, I might have even been part of the, Matt Ryan's going to save the Colts. I don't think I was, but if I was, I was wrong too. The people that thought Matt Ryan was the solution in Indy were wrong because their problems are so much deeper than just the quarterback position. Aaron Rodgers, Uh, why is Aaron Rodgers failing? Well, for the first half of the year, they had no true great receiving threat. Um, Finally, Christian Watson, their second round rookie receiver, starting to develop into a really good player. He's got like six touchdowns in three games, Um, but he's also not as good as Devontae Adams. And even having one good starting receiver isn't enough. Like it's, the reason why Aaron has struggled is because the receiving corps has been decimated in Green Bay and they, they just refused to make a move. I don't know why they didn't make a move to go get a receiver, but they didn't. And Green Bay sat on their hands and watched Aaron Rodgers struggle and they're to blame for it. Carson Wentz, what brought Carson Wentz down is I think weak leadership. I, I, what's the difference between Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz gets hurt a lot and he's not a very effective leader. He doesn't rally the troops around him I think once the team was not winning a bunch and Carson was okay, the team reverted to the player they know and the guy who's rallied them in the past, which is Taylor Heineke. And I don't just mean the coaching staff, I mean the locker room. Emotionally, they're like, you know what? What could Taylor do for us right now? We're not winning. Let's And putting Taylor Heineke in a quarterback has been the best thing Washington could have imagined doing. And it, it gives them the freedom to keep building their roster and eventually when a truly elite, physically gifted quarterback comes around, they can pivot to that guy. But I, re- I really like Taylor Heineke. I think he really relieves the pressure of the immediacy of needing, needing a quarterback tomorrow or this offseason, which is really great for Washington. He's good enough. They can build their franchise. And when the right quarterback comes around, they can make a move for him. But it, it, you know, when you don't have a quarterback at all, you have to go get one. Washington doesn't have to go get one. They've got one that's good enough. And... I love the idea that Taylor Heineke buys Washington time to find a truly great solution. Um, I'm trying to think of a comparison, you know, if you, well, let's say some, my, my truck is awesome. It's a 2015 truck. Um, it's not ideally I'd rather have a 2022, um, Toyota Tundra. Like I, I think Toyotas are the best truck you can buy. I'm a huge Toyota fan. I was a mechanic at one point in my life. Toyotas are the best engine you can buy. They just don't break down. They're under tuned, so they last longer. Toyotas are great. But my truck is good enough. And my truck is gonna run. It's got just over 100,000 miles on it. It's a 2015. Everything's in great shape. My truck's gonna run for like another 100,000 miles probably, easily. Because my truck isn't amazing, I'm gonna wanna replace it someday, but there's no hurry. I'm not in any, I don't need to replace it immediately. It's gonna be good enough for a while. I can live in it for a couple of years, drive around the country, save a bunch of money. And then when the day comes, I can really get exactly the truck I want because it, it gives me that freedom. If my truck, the one I'm sitting in right now, recording in driving around the country, living in, if my truck was like a 1995, um, Nissan Titan with, you know, 300,000 miles on it, it would really be not good enough. It would be like, Hey, you got to replace this as soon as possible. Taylor Heineke my truck. It's good enough. It's not great. It's not exactly what I want. I wanted one slightly bigger, but I'm actually, I'm actually glad it didn't because it I fit in parking spots earlier easier. But there are things that I, I want my truck to do that this one isn't capable of. But it's good enough for the next seven to 10 years and someday I'll replace it when the right opportunity comes around. But because it's good enough, there's no hurry. With Washington, Taylor Heineke's good enough, there's no hurry. And um, that's, that's a really good position for the commanders to be in. So... Um, I don't know, Kyle. I hope I answered your question. I want to repeat this. Russell Wilson's a problem, man. Um, it's a problem that's not going away. I think the only thing you can do if you're Denver, because he, he's so expensive, you got to get a new coach. You got to fire that coach immediately and go get someone else to save Russell Wilson's career. But, you know, Russ's uh, one of Russ's allies, the guy who helped him with his state of mind, died. Russ looks like a guy who needs a therapist, who doesn't have lead, guidance and um, I don't think he's got the maturity. I know that's weird to say, but maturity is, it's a word I use creatively maybe there. Russ has to find a solution to acknowledge how bad things are going. And I think the best thing Russell Wilson could do is say, I'm frustrated. This sucks. I'm not happy. I don't like losing. Like, Russ... Every time you watch an interview with Russell Wilson, he's hunky-dory, things are fine, and he's saying the right thing PR-wise, right? Russell Wilson is like a PR robot. He never says the wrong thing, but I think that's actually hurting him. I think his inability to acknowledge how bad things are is is impacting his relationships in the locker room. Russell Wilson, what he desperately needs PR-wise is to come out and say, dude, I haven't been very good. That sucks. That sucks. He doesn't have to say he's going anywhere. He doesn't have to retire. Like, he's getting paid. They can't get rid of him. But what he should say is, hey, I got to be better. We got to be better. I don't like losing. This is not fun. I'm having a bad time this year. I think if Russ came out and was honest about all that, it would go a long way. But because he refuses to do that, because Russell Wilson just will not acknowledge, he just he's pretending. He's like, <laughs> it's all great. He's like the dog in that meme where the house is burning around him and he's like, it's fine. No, it's not. It's not fine for you. It's not fine for your teammates. It's not fine for the fan base. Nobody's happy. Anywhere in the orbit around the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson pretending it's fine is part of the problem. Like, I want to see Russell Wilson in an interview get angry and fired up and say, this sucks and I don't like it. It would be human. It would be real. It would be honest. And instead, what we get from Russell Wilson is fake, happy, garbage, bull crap, and it's not good. It really pushes people away. It's why no one went to his effing birthday party. Because no one wants to be friends with a guy who's fake and only worries about worries about his image. It doesn't help I think he's married to a pop star and not a normal person. Uh, I've been around celebrities, celebrities that are image driven. Not good. Not good. Don't marry an actress. Don't marry a singer. It's a problem. That comes with a whole different set of rules when you, you're with a celebrity famous person. I I've met him. I've known him. It's a problem. And Russell Wilson's lack of honesty, frankly, is really hurting him. And things have to change in Denver for Russ. And a lot of it is his approach to answering questions. I didn't know I had that. I didn't know I had that rant in me, but wow. Uh, Final question of the day comes from Caleb. Caleb says, as a Michigan fan, at least my family is feeling natty or bust. What are the odds of beating Georgia. So, Caleb, what you're saying is it's a bad year if you don't win the national title? I hate that. What do you Dude, Michigan's got to wake up. How about an undefeated season which you have? How about Big 10 championship which you're about to get, I think. How about an appearance in the college football playoff? How about beating Ohio State twice in 2 years? How ungrateful is that that Michigan's like it's national championship or bust? You're telling me it's a bad year if you don't win the national title? I think I think Michigan has a chance to beat Georgia. If they run the ball well, if J.J. McCarthy plays at a high level, if the defense can make a bunch of plays in the secondary like they did against Ohio State, if they play the way they did against Ohio State in the second half, Michigan can beat Georgia. But I don't like that national title or bust, what are you talking about? It's been an incredible year for Michigan. You know how much they've built their program? Like, you know, <laughs> maybe next year is your Michigan wins a national title. J.J. McCarthy's 19 years old. But can. is there no appreciation for how good this year has been for Michigan? I, I hate that, uh, Caleb. Your family sounds like they suck. <laughs> Not really, man. But you know what I'm saying? Like, how about some gratitude in, over there in Michigan? Because they've had a great year and deserve a lot of credit and a lot of respect. The Michigan Wolverines do. Guys, my name is Zach Schomler. Thank you so much very much for tuning in my short episode turned into about 55 minutes of of podcasting that's crazy i didn't think it'd be that long um i love you i appreciate you i love doing the show it's you know um money's tight and i'd I'd probably make more money doing other stuff um but i and i I was asked recently like hey why don't you change careers (laughs) i don't want to i i would rather live in my truck and do the thing i love than, than not, than, than like sell out. And I, if I did another job, I'd still want to do this. I, I almost switched careers to being a server, which was not what I wanted. I was good at it. I made a lot of money. But man, I, I will always make content. I'll always do this show. Um, I just, it's who I am. I love, I, lo- I love, love, love making strong opinion sports. And I, I can't imagine myself doing anything else, to be totally honest. So to you listening out there, Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Um, I uh, am so excited for where we're headed in the future. But, dude, we did a week where I did three episodes. Got an episode out on Monday. Did a deep dive. Did one on Friday. Proof of concept. A little bit late on every episode. Like, we're later on Friday than I wanted. Later on Thursday. I wish I could have got that out on Wednesday. It was Monday afternoon, not Monday morning. But, hey, we've done one great week for Strong Opinion Sports. Let's do even better next week and keep building off it. But, Oh, man. Life is good. I love you. I appreciate you. Have a great day. But dum bum Bam. We are done.